scripture reading, which is Psalm 42. And if you recall from last week when we began our musings and meditations in Psalm 42, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 actually go together. Both of these psalms are expressing the same theme and are thus understood not as independent, but two parts of the whole. Together, they compose what is the lament of a temple singer exiled in the north near the rising of the Jordan who longs to be back at God's house and thereby turns his longing into resolute faith and hope in God himself. In summary then, Psalms 42 and 43 show us what we could say is the believer's see-saw battle between despair and hope. In verses 3 through 7, the psalmist now turns to his anguish. He turns to his anguish. And such misery he expresses here from four different angles. First, There is hostility. There is hostility. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And then if you drop down to verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? The psalmist doesn't find himself among friends, but among enemies. And apparently these enemies know his circumstances and put their own spin to it by a taunt. Where is your God? Where is your God? Now, what is the implication of that question? The implication is this. Has God abandoned you? Does God even care? You see, these were not atheists communicating to the psalmist. No. This question as to where is your God, this was not a question of an atheist. No. These were, as we read in Psalm 43, an ungodly people, but an ungodly people who were theists, so they believed in God, but they were taking jabs at the psalmist in his trying circumstances, knowing what he obviously was aching and in great anguish over, and using that to say to him, well, apparently, God doesn't care about you anymore. So there was the hostility. Second, he is aggravated by memory. He is aggravated by memory. Look at verse 4. These things I remember. 
as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. The absence of gathering with God's people and worshiping the Lord together was more than this brother could take. It galled him to be without the fellowship and communion of the saints praising God together. Unlike so many so-called professing Christians today who can say, um, I can take or leave the church. I don't need to be with the church. I'm satisfied just doing my own thing. Unlike those people, the psalmist here reveals the heart of someone who is a true believer. A true believer in Christ, a true believer in the Lord. Because like I said last week when we were looking at the first two verses of this psalm. If you can be satisfied. If you can honestly be satisfied. Without the church. You call yourself a Christian. You claim to be a Christian. But yet you can be satisfied without having anything to do with the gathered body of Christ. You don't need them. That's what you say. You're fine staying at home, doing your thing. Well, the word of God has a word for you. You're not saved. You're not born again. You're not. You're not. Because if you truly love Jesus Christ then you're going to love what Jesus Christ loves. And Jesus Christ loves his church. So don't you dare claim love for Christ when you have no love for his bride. When you have no love for the one for whom he bled for. He died for. He gave his life for. The one for whom he has gone back to glory, to the Father, and he is preparing there a home for his saints. Don't you dare claim, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. That's a contradiction. Not only is it a contradiction, that's hypocrisy. Because that is not a true love for Jesus Christ the Lord. It's not. No, a true believer in Christ is going to be just like what we see here in Psalm 42. A true believer in Christ is going to be in great anguish and distress when he or she is absent from the body of Christ, from the gathered church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be a trial for them. This is not going to be a vacation. And speaking of vacations, oh, I'm going to meddle now. If you are not with the family of God you're in covenant with every Lord's Day and 
you happen to be on vacation on a Lord's Day, find a sound biblical church and go worship there. Seriously. And I dare anybody to say, well, that's legalistic. Because there will be those professing Christians who will say that's legalistic. No, that's just being a Christian. Because last time I checked, even when you're on vacation, you're still a Christian, right? I mean, are you like vacating from God? And like when you left home to go on your vacation, did you leave God at home? Something to consider. So, he is aggravated. He's aggravated by, by a sweet and precious memory from a past. We don't know how far, how distant, but he is aggravated by a sweet and precious memory of being with the people of God where he wants to be. Third, he is also troubled by locality. So there's hostility, memory, and now locality. He is troubled by locality. Look at verse 6. And not in the first half of verse, verse 6, but he says, And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Now, what is being said here? What is the problem that he's expressing here? Okay, listen closely. The problem he's expressing was not the distance but the isolation that the distance had imposed. Let me say that again. The problem he's expressing in verse 6 was not the distance, but the isolation that the distance imposed. He is a long way from God's house and God's people, not by choice, but by adversity. And so this is a great trouble to his soul. Lastly, we see that he is shaken by calamity. He is shaken by calamity. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Here we can only speculate, but perhaps wherever he was geographically, the sound of waterfalls conjured up the sea and its waves, and he imagines himself 
overwhelmed under the billows and breakers of the heavy waters. It's interesting also that that he says here in verse 7 concerning the breakers and the waves, he identifies them as the Lord's breakers and the Lord's waves. All your breakers and your waves. And so even though this adversity that he was experiencing, this calamity that he was going through, even though he recognized, obviously, the sovereignty of God over his life, yet this was no comfort to him at this moment. This was not a comfort. He was in a deep, distressful place spiritually, And he, at this moment, he could not break out of it. He could not break free from it. Martin Lloyd-Jones took Psalm 42 as his, his first text of Scripture to unpack what would become one of the greatest sermon series that he ever gave, which is called Spiritual Depression. Spiritual Depression. I can assure you this. Ain't no drug is going to solve spiritual depression. Take all the medicine you want to and it's not going away. Spiritual depression is just that. It's spiritual. It's not physical. And so here we see the psalmist in the agony of spiritual depression. But... Notice what he does. Notice what he does. There's one verse here I skipped on purpose. Verse 5. Look at what he says in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil? Within me, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He repeats this in Psalm 43. In fact, it's at the end. Look at it. Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Where was his hope? In God. It was in God. His hope was in God. No matter how deep and dark was the distress... No matter, in spite of the anguish, in spite of the turmoil, he never lost his hope in God, even to the point to where he's preaching to himself. Who is he talking to here? He's not talking to God, he's talking to himself. He's saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He is questioning his own self. 
He's grabbing himself by the scruff of the neck, as it were, and he is pulling himself together and saying, listen to me. You know better than this. Hope in God. For you shall yet praise him. For he is your salvation. And he is your God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, that's what real Christians do. A real Christian will talk, to, will talk to himself. He'll preach to himself. And that's important. That's spiritually important. Because you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's not dead silent. There are all kinds of voices coming in your head. All kinds of distractions. And that's where Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that's the reason why as soon as you wake up, start saying to yourself, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Because the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're not asleep. When you wake up, they're not on vacation. They're coming after you. They're coming after you. So what are you going to do about it? You're just going to let them have you? Sadly, a lot of Christians do that. They do that. It's foolish and they, and, and, and they wonder, man... Why am I just having such a bad day? Well, how did you start your day? You listened to the wrong voices. No, as the new creation in Jesus Christ, you need to rise up and you need to take hold of yourself like the psalmist does here and say, hey, hey, remember. Remember who God is. Your salvation, your rock. He is your hope. Don't forget that today. Don't forget that today. It's really amazing to me when you look at both of these psalms together how that we have in almost the middle of Psalm 42, the psalmist addressing his, his self and telling, telling himself hope in God. And then at the closing of Psalm 43, he repeats it. That's called perseverance. That's how the saints persevere. Because there are going to be times and seasons in your life, dear Christian, where you're going to have to say things to yourself, to your soul. You're going to have to speak the truth of God to yourself more than just once. Because the trials, the adversity may be so severe and so loud that like the psalmist, 
you've got to repeat this truth to yourself again and again and again. But you know, you know what we see here in Psalm 42, 43? We don't see an immature Christian. We see a very mature Christian. This is a very mature believer because this is what mature believers do. Immature believers don't. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for how your word meets us in every season of our life in you. We thank you, Lord, for the many and varied ways that our walk shows up with you. And in Psalm 42 and 43, we see a time and a season where we may face great deep distress, great spiritual depression. We may be faced with a time where there is a distance that is deeply felt in our hearts from you. And yet, Lord, we pray that the same grace you worked in the psalmist that we see here in chapters 42 and 43, that we will experience in your great mercy that same grace that will, that will carry us to even preach to our own selves, to our own very souls, hope in God, dear believer. For I shall yet praise him my salvation, and my God. Blessed Father, we earnestly plead with you today for such sanctifying grace to be ours in Christ more and more. We don't want to be like the immature who are so easily distracted and carried away by the things of this world or the flesh or the devil. But Father, we want that spiritual, sanctified maturity that will persevere even in the hardest of times and even through what is spiritual depression. Not yielding, not giving in to whatever the world says or what the flesh says or what the devil says, but, but being very resolute, very courageous with a courageous conviction to say to ourselves, no, this is where I'm taking my stand. My hope is resting in the eternal God. He is my salvation. He is my hope. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the example of faith we see in this precious brother in Psalm 42 and 43. We trust in you for the grace to so faithfully imitate his faith. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.